Today, as we gather together in worship, we're going to continue through the book of Acts. Um, I would just like to pray for us one more time as we do that. And, uh, and yeah, we'll dismiss the kids for Children's Church at this time as I pray. Uh, King Jesus, Lord, we um, are grateful to be here this morning, Lord. We just want to give you praise right now for the, the children that you brought this week, God, to our VBS. Lord, each and every one of these young souls, Lord, um, they need you. And Lord, our great desire is that uh, you would raise up, God, another generation, God, that loves and fears your name, that learns to treasure you, God, from a young age, that you would guard them, Lord, from lives of sin, Lord, that the testimony that we all wish we had, that we got saved at a young age, Lord, and, and followed you um, from youth all the way till you called us home, Lord, and we pray that you would grant many uh, children, God, our own children, God, this testimony. And God, we thank you for the sister churches, God, that we were able to partner with, uh, that we can labor together for the gospel of Jesus. I pray for each of those churches this day, God, Lovely Grove, Zebulun, and New Union, God, that your spirit would rest upon those churches uh, in a powerful way, God, uh, to, to love you, to love people, and to make disciples, God, as we're all called to do. And Lord, I am thinking this, this morning as we think this week about Praying for our schools, Lord, I want to lift up a special prayer this morning on behalf of our church, God, for this upcoming school year. God, we pray for those men and women that you have called to be educators. God, I pray especially, God, for those who know and love and trust you as they go into the school system week in and week out, God. I pray that you would help them to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, God, to model and, and to embody, God, the love and the testimony of Jesus Christ, God, as they teach these children and, and all those, God, who work in the school system. God, I pray that um, they would just, uh, just be shining lights, God, in the darkness for you, God. And insofar as they're able, God, I pray that they can bear witness, God, to the love and for forgiveness and transformation that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray for my friend Clint, God, as he is the, the FCA director for our school systems. God, I pray that your word, God, would be transformative. Lord, in the school system, Lord, and I just pray that your spirit would move, that a revival and awakening, God, would happen among our children, God, among our youth, Lord, that people would look and see your hand at work, God, in our schools and among our young people, uh, Lord, something that only you can do. And God, we ask that you do it in Jesus' name. And God, we pray for, we pray for, um, and Lord, finally, God, we pray for ourselves this morning, Lord, we gather again to worship you, to declare your greatness God, in anticipation, knowing that all the earth, God, will praise your name, that the day will come when the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters covers the seas. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, God, to our place in that, Lord, that, that you will not return till your gospel has gone forth as a testimony to all nations, and only then the end will come. And so, God, I pray that we would be cognizant of that, God, to to pray, to go, and to give, Lord, to make your glory known among the nations. I do pray, God, in your kindness, you would, Lord, you would see fitting to raise up missionaries, God, from Hillside Baptist Church. Lord, to make your name great, uh, God, among the nations. And Lord, even today as we think about uh, the, the call that you put upon your early church, God, and the witness that you called them to bear in the midst of much opposition and hostility, Lord, I pray that we likewise would not be afraid, but would 
but we trust and hope in you. Open our eyes, Lord, now to see where the Spirit speaks to the churches. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Um, If you don't have a Bible at home, you're welcome to take that home as our gift to you. Uh, So we're still in the book of Acts, and we're really still in in Act (laughs) 1 of the book of Acts, uh, where uh, God, Jesus had given them this command of promise that, they would, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them, that they would receive power, and that they would then he, be his witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in all Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so we, we see, in fact, that the Spirit did fall in power and gave them boldness to witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And how uh, beyond that, uh, further miraculous healings, especially that of the lame beggar, gave opportunity to proclaim Christ, several more thousands get saved. Um, but of course, not without opposition, because the Jewish authorities arrested Peter and John and charged them to no longer speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. And so uh, now this account is followed by continued preaching and teaching within the temple courts, despite what the authorities have commanded them to do. Uh, and in our passage today, we see the tension rise and heighten as the whole group of apostles, not just Peter and John, are now arrested for the sake of the name. And so what do we learn from this second account of the arrest of the apostles? That's what we want to talk about this morning as we talk about the unopposable God, the unopposable God from Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. If you're able and willing, let me invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, and this is what it says. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach. Now, when the high priest came, those who were with him, uh, and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. 
But a Pharisee in the council uh, named uh, Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus, that, Christ, that the Christ is Jesus, the Word of God. You may be seated. All right. So we're going to look at this passage under four headings this morning. Number one, God's plans cannot be hindered. God's plans cannot be hindered. Number two, God's commands cannot be disobeyed. God's commands cannot be disobeyed. Number two, God's purposes cannot be opposed. God's purposes cannot be opposed. And number four, God's service cannot go unrewarded. God's service cannot go unrewarded. First, number one, God's plans cannot be hindered. Okay, so as we've seen, the Christian community has been taking uh, the city of Jerusalem by storm. And there were those, as we talked about last week, who held Christ's followers in high esteem, even though they were reluctant to join them themselves. And all this, by the way, is taking publicly in the temple courts. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're healing, they're doing these miraculous works, right? All this is open and in the public. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the temple courts was the jurisdiction of the high priest and, of, and the greatest place of greatest concern for the Jewish authorities. So it's not surprising then that the high priest and the Sadducean uh, party... Um, I have an issue with this, all right, and, and, and want to deal with it. Now, it says that they're filled with jealousy, and they sought to lay hands on the fledgling church's leaders. And we're not surprised by this either because jealousy uh, is the same way that their feelings were towards Jesus, who was very popular with the, popu with the, with the populace and with the everyday common folk going in and out of the temple. And so it was with Jesus' apostles. They're very popular with the people. And so they're filled with jealousy uh, with, with, against the apostles. So they arrest the apostles, and they put them in the public prison, okay, Pro probably wanting to make a spectacle of them uh, and publicly threaten them. But in a surprising twist, <laughs> their plans are thwarted because God breaks them out of jail, all right, in the middle of the night. An angel of the Lord goes in there, unlocks the prison door, uh, leads them out, uh, and, and tells them that they need to go back to the temple courts uh, where they had been arrested and keep proclaiming in Jesus the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection from the dead. And so imagine then the authorities' surprise when they send for the prisoners <laughs> and no one's there, right? The guards, in fact, are still at their posts, right? So the, the, uh, a miracle has taken place where uh, the angel has led them out and the guards didn't, even, guards didn't even know it and didn't even realize it. Everyone is still at their post, 
all right, but did not know that, uh, that they were gone. So if you remember from, from Jesus, right, earlier guards uh, guarded an empty tomb, and now we have these guards guarding an empty room. <laughs> uh, it's pointless. It's fruitless to oppose God, right? And so the very ones that they had arrested the day before, bef- you know, before the sun even gets all the way up in the sky, they're back in the temple courts already preaching the gospel again. Okay, so the authorities hear about this, and uh, they send the guards again to arrest them, but they do it without force because they're afraid of the people who love the apostles. And so what's going on here? Well, one way to think about this is to just simply say that God is flexing flexing on the uh, Jewish authorities and saying, look, guys, you can try to stop me, but it's not going to work. My plans as God cannot be hindered, right? Um, At every place, at every point within this narrative, what is happening is that God is demonstrating to the Jewish authorities that they're not in control, right? They don't like this gospel being preached, so they arrest them because in their minds they're thinking, hey, if we arrest them, they stop preaching. And guess what? God says, no, if I want my son's name preached, then I'll just release them from prison so they can keep on preaching, so stop trying to get in my way, right? They, they, they're trying to stop God's plans, and they can't. They can't. And, and I want you to think about this, right? The apostles were arrested, okay? They were arrested, uh, and then the, the, the angel frees them. And, you know, what they could have done is they could have just flee. They could have just left Jerusalem. They could have just went packing, right? Because, you know... When you get arrested and then you get miraculously set free, most of the time you're not thinking, hey, let me get arrested again. Right? But what did the angel tell him to do? He said, literally, go right back to the place where you just got arrested yesterday and do the same thing that you were doing before that got you arrested in the first place. So what does it mean? It means they went right, they crawled right back into the lion's mouth because they must obey God rather than men. They went right back to they were arrested because their greatest concern wasn't their safety or their security. It was, it was the glory of God and, and, his, and obedience to him. So if there's going to be an animating force in your life, if there's, if there's going to be something, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's a saying that's like, it, it, life's not worth living if, if you ain't got something worth living for, worth dying for, right? If they would have just, uh, walked away after they got arrested, they, they, they would have thrown everything that Jesus did down the drain. But they said, you know what? My, more important than me, to me than my freedom, more important to me than life itself is being obedient to Jesus Christ who loved me and saved me. And so they went right back and kept proclaiming the gospel, which has the power to save. And the authorities weren't going to keep God from doing what God wanted to do. And so in other words, God's plan cannot be hindered. So what's the point for us? The point is, don't be afraid. Don't, don't self-censor. But proclaim our God as Savior. If God is for us, who can be against us? And if the lords of the earth try to hinder what God is doing, well, guess what? Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's going to have his way. So number one, God's plans cannot be hindered. Number two, God's commands cannot be disobeyed. Right? They, uh, uh, 
what we see here then is a, is a very similar result to what happened earlier when it was just Peter and John that got arrested. Now it's this time it's all the apostles that get arrested. But the initial time, uh, they charged Peter and John with saying to no longer teach or preach uh, in this name. And now here we see all the apostles arrested. And we see here, uh, and, and it'll continue to escalate, but we see here the rising tension between the, the early Christian movement and the Jewish authorities. Right there, they are in conflict with one another. And the conflict that is happening is a conflict, ultimately, of authority, right? It's a conflict of authority. The Jewish leaders think that they are the ones who have authority within the temple, within the temple precincts. And Christ's apostles think Jesus is the one who has authority within the temple precincts. Well, see, now there's a problem. Who actually is in charge? Who actually is in charge? And when there's a conflict of authority, only one can win out. So when the apostles were confronted with their disobedience, they only have one thing to say. We must obey God rather than men. And so, of course, there is a timeless principle embedded there for us, and that is that there are times... When obedience to God will directly conflict with authorities. There are times when obedience to God will directly conflict with authorities. This has been happening for literally 2,000 years. Okay, it might take different forms, but it's all basically the same thing. Right? In the earliest church, they had to decide when the government literally told them, you cannot preach Christ they said we must obey God rather than men. When later some of the, the, some of the Roman emperors told the Jews uh, that to be a good citizen, you need to offer incense to the emperor. In, or, in other words, make an uh, idolatrous sacrifice. That the Christians at that time said we must obey God rather than men. And some of them were burned alive for it. Okay? And so this has been happening for 2,000 years and we would be fools to think that it couldn't happen to us. You know, it's interesting there that in, in, in our Constitution, enshrined as kind of the primary right, is the freedom of speech. Because the first thing that a coercive power will try to control over you is what you say. And, as, and it's... it's Doubly important for Christians because as Christians, the primary thing that we do as followers of Jesus Christ is speak. Because the fundamental tenet of Christianity is the message, is the gospel that in Jesus Christ is forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the dead, and eternal life. And that is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the Christian message. And so the question will be for all of us is that when, it, when it's already here, by the way, if you haven't noticed, and it's just going to intensify, is that we will be challenged on what we can and cannot say concerning Christ, and the question will be, will we obey God rather than men? That's the question. And yes, it could lead to losing our jobs, and in the extreme case, possibly, it could come to losing our lives, but I think for most of us, 
The greater risks are the everyday compromises and self-censoring when we choose not to speak up for Christ as we ought. The greater risks are the everyday compromises and self-censoring when we choose not to speak up for Christ where we ought to. That's why we need to pray for strength and for boldness and for belief. That's why we need to walk closely with Jesus. Because when God help us, God help me, right, to walk closely with Jesus. Because when we walk closely with Jesus, right, we have that relationship with him. You, you know, you know, uh, when you have that intimate relationship with Jesus, when you walk closely with someone, when you know someone and he knows you, then the last thought on your mind would be to deny them, right? If you're married, right, hopefully you would say, right, if someone says, you know, turn your back on your spouse, you would say, not in a million years, go ahead and kill me. But when we walk closely with Jesus, we should have just as close, closer relationship with our Lord Jesus who knows us and loves us and gave himself for us. And so, you know, it's like, go ahead, do your worst, but I'm not turning my back on my Jesus. In the face of those who would silence them, they looked them in the face, and, they, and this is what they said. They said, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to those who obey him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus was crucified for our sins. God raised him on the third day. He ascended into heaven where he reigns from heaven. Now is the exalted son of God from where he shall rule until every enemy is put under his feet. And then one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. And in the meantime, the gospel is proclaimed so that everyone who turns from their sins and trusts in him will be forgiven of their sins, filled with the Holy Spirit, and empowered to live a life that will matter forever. That's the gospel, and that's what they claim to pro- proclaim, and that's what they would not stop proclaiming. The, Jew- the Jewish authorities were the ones, the very ones who had Jesus killed. And what is remarkable, actually, about what the apostles are doing right now is they're basically they're preaching the gospel to these Jewish leaders, and they're basically saying, hey, guys, look, you're the ones who killed Jesus. And that's just a brute historical fact. And guess what? Even you, if you will now turn and repent of what you have done and trust in Christ. Jesus will forgive even you and welcome into his family, the very ones who killed him. That's the message of the gospel. It's our command. It's the command from our king to proclaim it, and we must obey God rather than men. So number two, God's commands cannot be disobeyed. Next, number three, God's purposes cannot be opposed. God's purposes cannot be opposed. So after the apostles' bold stand... Um, uh, the, the Jewish council were, was, were ready to, to throw down the gauntlet, right? So they weren't too keen on having their authority so boldly uh, resisted and uh, rejected. Uh, most uh, most uh, of those in authority don't take too keen on that. And so uh, the, the apostles just said, look, you know, we must obey God rather than men. Now, I don't think the apostles kind of had this like a, you know, yeah, stick it to the man kind of attitude. But rather, it was, just, it, was, it was just like, look, I'm sorry, but Jesus Christ has told us what to do. So it's not, I'm not mad, I'm not angry, but I'm just saying that when Jesus tells you to do something, you do it. And I'm not going to listen to you rather than to him at the peril of my own soul. 
So I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be quiet. And so God has spoken, and the best thing to do is to obey God. And so despite what the leaders think, they took their refusal as prideful insubordination. Uh, but that's not what was taking place, but it just that's what happened. That's how they took it. And yet, here we have here uh, that God in his sovereign providence once again preserves the apostles, right? I think that's what's, I think that's kind of the point here, right? It just so happens, just so happens that present on the council that day was a Pharisee named Gamaliel, uh, and it just so happens uh, that Gamaliel is kind of sympathetic to the Christian movement at this point, uh, and, uh, and warns the council against taking any rash actions against them. And, ju- and so it just so happens that uh, probably the most respected leader and teacher uh, in Israel uh, th- lends his weight to uh, be a little lenient on the Christian movement. That, that is nothing less, my friends, than a sovereign God once again uh, delivering his apostles so that they, they can continue to do what he commanded them to do. So Gamaliel reasons like this. He says that they have already seen throughout uh, recent history a number of these uh, kind of movements rise up, and what inevitably happened was that uh, these charismatic, charismatic figures gathered a large following, but eventually, uh, at some point, those leaders were killed, and then shortly after, those movements just died out because those leaders had died. And Gamaliel was basically saying that, um, but, so, and then he goes on to say, but, uh, so, in other words, if this uh, Christian movement is like these other movements, then you don't really have to be concerned about it because it's just going to die out anyways. However, if the Christian movement is different from these other movements and it turns out that God is actually in there, then frankly, it doesn't matter what you want to do to them because you're not going to be able to stop it. And so he's basically just saying, look, um, if, uh, if God is in this, we might find ourselves actually opposing God. So in the short term here, it may be better just to keep hands off and just to see what happens because if God's in it, it's not going ha- to work. And if God is in it, you're not going to be able to stop it. And so uh, the fact then that there are 2,000 years later, there are Billions of people professing the lordship of Jesus Christ uh, on Gamaliel's logic means that God is indeed in the Christian movement and that uh, he will continue to be in the Christian movement until our Lord returns and that every effort to oppose it, no matter how successful uh, in the short term, will eventually lose out in the long term. If you, just, if, you, if you just pay attention to human history and you pay attention to the past 2,000 years, if you turn on the news, right, you would think, you know, um, you would get real, uh, real kind of downhearted and you would say, you know, what happened, what happened to the, you know, the 1950s? You know, what happened to, you know, uh, nominally Christian America? What happened to all this? And you would get really disheartened because you think Christianity is losing. Dear friends, just let me remind you something. Christianity isn't losing. It's just not true. Christianity isn't losing. Every day, somebody across the world is getting saved, and the devil is furious. Okay? The devil, literally, the devil is fighting a war he knows he can't win. That's why he's so mad. That's why he's so mad. 
Christianity isn't losing. It's, it's accomplishing exactly what it's supposed to be accomplished. And as we preach the gospel, guess what? Guess what? More and more people are going to be saved. Not if, they will be saved because God saves people through the proclamation of his gospel. In other words, you are part of a movement that cannot be stopped. You are part of a movement of God that cannot be stopped. And so, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't fall down to the temptation of thinking, well, it's a losing battle. We might as well just give up. That's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from Satan. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't, 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 don't forget the power of the gospel. You know, yeah, okay, you may, you may get tired. I don't know. I keep telling people about Jesus, but nothing's happening. <laughs> Look, guys, I mean, just because you don't see, just because you don't see the, what God is doing doesn't mean God's not doing anything. And yet, and yet, it may be that we have to get to heaven before we see what Jesus did with what we did. But let me tell you something. When we get there, minds are going to be blown. Minds are going to be blown. Because we're part of a movement that can't be stopped. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. The disciples, they got, they got beat. They got, they, got, they got beat because of what they did. But they still did it in, in praise and service to God. So, God, so number three there, God's purposes cannot be opposed. And finally, number four there is that God's service cannot go unrewarded. It says they called in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And it says that they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And so being persuaded by Gamaliel, they didn't punish them or they, or they didn't kill them or, uh, or just keep them arrested, but they, they beat them and let them go. Uh, beating there probably refers to the uh, Old Testament punishment. They would call it the 40 lashes less one, uh, which would mean 39 lashes, because in the Old Testament, right, you were only allowed as punishment to beat somebody with, with 40 lashes, and so they subtracted one just in case they lost count. So that's very considerate of them. And, um, and now, the, now the lashing wasn't quite as bad as the Roman scourging. Um, but, of course, if you get a big burly man with a leather strap just beating you with all his strength on your chest and on your back 39 times, it's not a pleasant experience. Uh, and it could uh, do lasting damage and in, in some rare cases even kill people in the case of blood loss. So, in other words, what the apostles endured at that point for proclaiming Jesus uh, wasn't just a slap on the wrist. Okay, they got a literal public beating uh, that, that probably scarred them for life. And they walked away and they rejoiced. They rejoiced. Why? Because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. A Christian should never, ever complain about suffering for Jesus. The greatest honor you and I would ever have in our life would be to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. Literally, the greatest privilege that we could have would be to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. He said, blessed are those 
who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so notice there when it talks about persecution, and most often Jesus said there, persecution will come in the forms of uttering evil falsely against you. They will say bad things about you. They will call you names. They will impugn your motives. They will tell everybody else how bad of a person that you are. And guess what? Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Brothers and sisters, look. If, even if you have to stand against the whole world, it's better to stand alone than to stand against Jesus. And it's better to stand, with, it's better to stand against the whole world with, with Jesus than anything else. So don't be afraid. God's plans cannot be hindered. God's commands cannot be disobeyed. God's purposes cannot be opposed. And God's service cannot Go unrewarded. Let's pray. King Jesus, Lord, we're, we're, we're humbled, Lord, by the apostles' examples this morning. And, Lord, um, we never know. We never know uh, what we might be called to in obedience to you. But I pray, God, that whatever it is, Lord, small or great, that you would give us the courage and the love and the humility and the faithfulness to stand for you, God, not with, a, not with a, a proud, arrogant attitude, but with a humble humility, but bold confidence, Lord, that even if it means standing against the whole world, we will never stand against you. And so, God, help us. God, give us courage. God, open our mouths to speak. God, forgive us, Lord, where we do not speak where we ought to speak, Lord. Give us the boldness to stand up and say, God, the truth in love in every circumstance that you call us to. And Lord, if you would deem it fit in your sight, God, that we would be those among, we would be among those counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. God, let us, let us walk away rejoicing, praising God, Lord, that we will have such a privilege, Lord, that you will give us such a crown, Lord, to throw at your feet on the last day. And as I close this morning, God, I just pray for someone in the sound of my voice, God, who, who they're intrigued by this Christ. They're intrigued by this Jesus, this King of all kings, in whom is forgiveness of sins. And maybe, Lord, they, maybe, Lord, their heart, maybe, Lord, you're stirring their heart even now to desire that forgiveness of sins for that life that will matter forever. God, I pray that you would you would help them to look to you in faith this morning, turning from their sins and trusting in you, having all their sins forgiven, and walking in obedience, being filled with the Spirit, and being bold for you. Let it be, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.